This is a podcast from Seven Vineyard. Guys, it's amazing to be here. And um, as Claire said, Owen and Claire were pretty pivotal in my journey as a leader, to be honest. And um, Claire's mentioned it, but when I look back 20 odd years ago when I was five, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, it seems amazing just what God's done. And these guys, they stitched me up. They said one time, would you like to lead today? And I thought it's because they were on holiday. But really, it's because they wanted to check me out and see if I could do the job and, and empower me to do that. So uh, I love you guys. It's amazing to be here and just to see your wonderful church as well, what God's doing here. So thanks for having me. Um, so we are going to talk this morning about a little word called but. One T, not two. Okay. <laughs> And the word but is an interesting little word when you think about it, isn't it? Um, Growing up, and parents here, you might identify with this, it was one of my parents' favourite words. So they would say, yeah, you can can go out with your friends, but you've got to tidy your room first. And that was basically game over for me, because I, Lizzie knows this, we lived together for seven years, I am messy. Although now I'm redeemed, it's okay. They say, yeah, you can have a yellow Mini Cooper for your 17th birthday, but... You've got to earn, pay for it by working in Tesco's more and more hours. And even as an adult, sometimes when I go home, the butt comes back again. They say, last Christmas, you can go visit grandma tomorrow, but you can't go bowling today because they didn't want grandma to catch COVID last Christmas. And even though I felt like I'd regressed to this like teenage version of myself, they probably had a bit of a point. But the word butt, it's the perfect way to, to ruin a sincere apology, isn't it? You know, you can say to somebody, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I was so kind of unkind with my words, but you were being kind of annoying. You know, you can ruin this, you can ruin it. A but can have such negative consequences. It's often the bearer of bad news. But the thing is, in the scriptures, this three little word, but, B-U-T, it crops up over and over again, but actually with extraordinarily positive consequences. So check out some of these verses. Genesis 50 verse 20 says this, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is being done now, the saving of many lives. Psalm 73, my heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Matthew 19, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Acts 3, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death, but The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you see what a difference a but makes? And this is a little phrase that's kind of been going around my my head um, over these last couple of years. After a couple of challenging, you know, it's been challenging, hasn't it, the last couple of years for lots of different reasons. But the phrase in the midst of all of it, I've been thinking over and over again, is remember the but. Remember the but, and that's the title of this talk this morning. Hopefully you'll remember it because it's a little bit cheeky. Um, But the passage we're going to be moving towards, I'm guessing you like that. Oh, that was not intentional there. Okay, that wasn't intentional, but that was good actually. I wish I had come up with that. Okay, move on. So the passage we're going to has got seven little buts in a few verses, and it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So that's where we're going to be heading. But the letter Corinthians... Paul is writing it to this church in Corinth. And as you read it, like it's pretty obvious that there's tensions going on. Like some rogue teachers have come along and they started undermining what Paul is teaching. He's busy and what he's doing is he's traveling around and he's spreading the word and the message of the kingdom of God. But he's getting persecuted for it. Now today, probably most of us aren't getting persecuted in the way that Paul was. But this passage is still so relevant to us here sat in 2022 in Bristol this morning because we can all empathize with challenge, right? 
I don't know what you've got going on in your life, whether you've got complications at work or in your family or in your relationships or financial cri- or the financial crisis or health or you're just looking ahead and thinking, man, this feels like it's going to be a long, hard winter. And uh, for me, I can empathize with, with a couple of those right now. You know, and the way I know that is because my irritability threshold is lower than it normally would be. Do you guys know this week I've been driving around in my car, I've done quite a lot of driving, and uh, I found myself just being like, just get move, move, you know, just gesticulating all over the place in a kind kind of way. But, but just knowing that, like, actually the stuff that's going on at the moment that feels challenge. And Jesus, when he came, he didn't, he didn't like, grant us immunity from challenge, did he? Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So we're going to read this. Corinthians, 4, Corinthians 2, Corinthians 4, verses 5. Here we go. For what we preach is not ourselves but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Here we go. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. Perplexed, but we're not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in you, but life is at work in you. It's a big, big old passage, isn't it? And um, you might be sat here listening, especially if you're new to church this morning, thinking, well, there are some complicated phrases in there, like what is that going on about? And so what we're going to do this morning is just to do our best to figure out how did Paul remember that there was a but in the midst of all the challenge? And the first thing, if you're taking notes, or the first thing to clock in your mind, point one, if you like a point, is remember the but, there is power in present weakness. Verse 7 kicks off like this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and it's not from us. Is anybody here um, a potter? Oh, yes, you're a potter. I love that. Amazing. Well, um, it's safe to say it's not my forte. Okay, I tried to... um, uh, Lizzie and I have got a friend called Kristen. She's a potter. And and I went and did some... some, um, I don't know if you call it claying. Anyway, making a pot. And we're sat there on the wheel, and she's just pottery. It's potter. She's sat there on the, on the thing, and, and she's saying, don't press the wheel too hard. But I'm a kind of all-or-nothing kind of person, and, and the wet clay is flying around the room. And um, eventually I make something, and it looks a little bit like a pot. It's kind of rubbish, but anyway, it goes in the kiln, and it comes back. And it's very ordinary, it's very, very ordinary. It looked very unimpressive and it had a lot of cracks in it. And that experience is really helpful for me. And, it's, you know, you might be able to identify with that. Because, you see, the analogy that Paul is using here is, is you see, clay pots back in the day, they were nothing special. Like, they were ordinary. They were pretty cheap. They could easily be replaced. But the thing inside the pot would be of immense value. And so Paul is using this analogy to remind us that we're like ordinary clay pots. We're just people who are sometimes cracked and broken. 
And Paul's point here, it's not to, he's not like trying to diminish our value. We're of course, like we're fearfully and we're wonderfully made, of course, but it's to show how valuable that the treasure is, the treasure inside. Remember the but, the treasure, if you're here and you're following Jesus, the treasure is hidden inside you. So what's the treasure? If the treasure's so great, like what is it? Well, Paul is using highly descriptive and dense language here, but it's clear he's talking about the gospel because in verse six he says, he says, the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. The gospel message is the treasure. It's in the gospel that we find hope. It's in the gospel that we find life that lasts not just for today, but forever. It's in the gospel that we find hope. And it's in the gospel that everything is being restored. As Paul says in the next chapter, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. And so that's why Paul sticks this massive three-letter word in, this but word. And he's able to go on in verse 8 to say, we're hard-pressed on every side. They were hard-pressed, but they were not crushed. They were perplexed, but they were not in despair. They were struck down, but not destroyed. And I don't know how you feel about those words this morning, but for me, it's a relief. It's a relief because Paul's not in denial. You know, Paul could just be saying the message inside of me is so powerful that like, just persecute me more. I'm just loving life. You know, he acknowledges the pain. He acknowledges the pain. He, he names the suffering he's experiencing or the death in his body as he kind of puts it. But it's not where his story ends. It's not where the story ends. He remembers the but. He's just like a clay pot. He's, he's weak. He's struggling. But it's God's all-surpassing power that's working through him. He says that in the same body that is being battered by death, Jesus' life is being revealed. He keeps proclaiming the gospel. He's saying, Jesus is Lord. And for him, there is a tangible, a very real sense of hope. He knows there's power in present weakness. You know, preparing this, I came across a black lady called Zilpha Elor. And um, she was born in Pennsylvania in the USA back in 1790. So like ages ago, and uh, she wrote in her memoirs that she had these visions, I don't know why that's funny, but anyway, she wrote, in these, she wrote in her memoirs, she had these visions where she powerfully encountered God, and he commissioned her to preach the gospel like the Apostle Paul, and so she ended up like doing that, going around, traveling, telling people about Jesus, and even though she was a free woman, it was incredibly dangerous for her, because in the southern states, there were laws that meant she could legally be captured and sold as a slave, or she could receive 39 lashes for leading religious meetings. If that was the consequences, I don't know what I would do. But for Zilfra Elor, that didn't stop her. In fact, she drew comfort from Paul's writing. She says she concluded that she was just an earthen vessel, a clay pot like Paul. And the obstacles that she faced because of her race and because of her gender allowed God's strength to prevail, to shine brighter in her. In the face of the opposition, and the limits that her society tried to put on her. Zilpha Elor remembered the but. I love that story. And I see that in our church, and I'm sure it's true in this church as well. There's a lady in our church called Paula. Do you guys know Paula? So Paula is like my spiritual grandma, I guess. You'd say I'm not that old, but she's substantially older than me. And a couple of years ago, right in the midst of COVID, I had the privilege of leading her husband Jack's funeral. And it was one of those funerals right in the middle of COVID where it was hard. It was socially distanced. There was, there was, you could sit just in pairs and, and it, was, it was horrible. It was no situation did anybody really want to be in that. And leading the funeral for me was a massive privilege. And sat almost just there right in front of me was Paula. And 
her emotion was very, very raw. She was grieving her husband. But it was an amazing moment for me because as I looked in her, as tears were streaming down her face, it was like you could see tangible hope in her eyes. And the way she sang and the way when we read scripture, she, the, the way she was, you could just see that she was holding on to something greater. And she sent me this text the day after saying this. And this was in capitals, which means she really means it. I have a father, a brother and a saviour all on my side looking after me. No one can snatch me from their protection. Though we walk through troubled waters, we will not be overwhelmed. That's the truth. That text came the day after her husband's funeral. What an amazing response. Her faith and the message of the gospel and the hope of the gospel, it shined bright in that moment. And the impact it had on her family who didn't know Jesus was profound. So I wonder today, what would it look like for God's strength to prevail in you? Like with the stuff that you're facing. You don't have to live in denial. We don't have to live in denial. Our pain and our struggles, they're real. And the reality is sometimes life is incredibly, incredibly hard. But the reason that both Zilpha and Paula were able to get through that time and respond the way they did was because the treasure of the gospel. It not only meant that Jesus, that Jesus promised to be with us in our weakness, but there was a future hope. There was a future hope that was greater than the current situation. So second thing, everybody okay? Guys online? They've got a cup of tea. Okay, so let's pick up from verse 13. It says this. It is written, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. And again, there's some complex language in there. I encourage you to, if you're interested to know, to dig in a little bit more, like go find a commentary, find out what all those things mean. But essentially what Paul is saying is he's saying, one day we'll be resurrected like Jesus. Yes, our bodies might be wasting away now. We're being renewed by his spirit. But our hope is in the future raising of the dead. There is an eternal glory that's waiting for us. And I don't know how you feel listening to that because... Does it feel almost kind of offensive that Paul is describing our troubles as light and momentary? You know, um, because it does to me, like it would seem unfathomable to sit with a grieving family, to hear them out and then to say, problems, light and momentary. Or if I was to sit down with you and talk through all the challenges that I might face in my life and at the end of two hours and I poured myself out, you say, light and momentary. You might get a punch in the face, you know, <laughs> because it's challenging. But in a sense, it's true. Yes, of course, there are very real challenges. Some of you in this room are in the midst of heartache right now. But in the light of the message of the gospel and the hope of future glory, they are actually light and momentary. And I think that's why Paul can describe his suffering in that way. It's why he can say he's hard-pressed on every side, but he's not crushed. He's perplexed, but he's not in despair. He's struck down, but he's not destroyed because the hope of the future glory, it's so real to him and it can be so real to us. Our present suffering, guys, it will one day come to an end. 
And with our new resurrected bodies, we'll never suffer again. And then we'll have a whole eternity ahead with Jesus. And I'll be there. What a dream. You know, I love reading passages in the Bible about the new creation. When God sets everything right, this is probably my favourite one. So familiar. In fact, just close your eyes as we read it out, if you'd like to. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place, it's now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things that's passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making all things new. And Paul goes on to uh, just briefly ultimately say that mortality is actually going to get swallowed up by life. And I don't know how you find those passages. I can see some of you are moved in the room because what hope we have. Like what a future for those of us that know Jesus and all of us are invited to that party. Even today, some of you might want to make a decision to follow Jesus if you don't already. In the midst of the trial and the struggling, the but couldn't be bigger. That's what the treasure is in the jars of clay. It's the gospel. And it's in the gospel that we have power in our present weakness. We carry this future hope. And it's in light of all of this, and this is what we're coming into land with, that Paul comes out with this banger of a verse, if you're allowed to say that. Verse 16, therefore, we do not lose heart. Basically, guys, don't give up. Don't give up. Like, remember the but, so we lose heart. So we don't lose heart, and we fix our eyes on Jesus. It says this, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and the momentary troubles are achieving for us that eternal glory we just talked about. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what's unseen. Since what is seen, that stuff's temporary but what is unseen is eternal. And so I want to encourage us this week, whatever you feel up against, like remember that but. And a really practical way of doing that is is to think about where you're fixing your eyes, to fix your eyes on eternity. And I think we've got to be careful here because the temporary stuff, it can be so wooing, can't it? It can woo our our heart's attention and our heart's affection. I haven't got it on me just now, but my, my phone... It woos my, my heart's attention and affection way too much. And this is maybe a more tangible example, but last Christmas I bought a new hot tub. And then before you think if I won the lottery, uh, I, I did. No, no, I didn't. Um, it, it was this Black Friday deal, and it's basically a glorified paddling pool. But honestly, I love it. Okay, I love it. And last year in the depths of freezingness, in whenever it was, I got in the hot tub with a mate one day, and I said, oh, my days... I've finally found what I've been looking for. Like, I am so content. I think I just need to come in this hot tub, like, every single day of my life. And obviously, I was joking, kind of. Um, But in that moment, like, I was so content. My immediate needs, they were fully met, and I was satisfied. And I was just like, I think I just need to come in here every single day, and all my problems are going to disappear. And hear me right on this. I'm not a hot tub hater, clearly. I'm not saying we can't enjoy nice things, clearly. But what I am saying is these things, they're temporary. And in the case of that hot tub, turns out, 10 months later, the electricity bills have gone crazy. And this is not a plea, like, honestly, it's nothing to do with that. But that that hot tub, if it was on all the time, six and a half thousand pounds we're talking. It's crazy. So it's off. 
It's about going back in the box and it's out of my life. And I know it's a silly example, but hopefully you can understand through that like what I'm getting at. And I wonder, what is your hot tub equivalent? Like, what is it? What is it for you that's wooing your heart's attention and affection your eyes are actually set on? Is it career? Like, maybe it's a dream of something. A uni degree, a relationship, like the holiday that you're just, like, scrolling the internet for. And they're not bad things, as I said, but let's not be deceived. The eternal stuff has got to have our greater affection because it's the only thing that actually lasts. And over the last couple of years, if I've learnt one thing... It's that this stuff is real, that it lasts, that everything around in this world can be shaken. Earthly relationships can be shaken. Jobs can be shaken. Finances can be shaken. Relationships can, but he cannot. He cannot. And so where we fix our eyes matters. So if you want to live a life where you remember the but, I really am coming into land now. Not just in the good times, but in the challenging ones. Can I encourage you this morning with everything that I've got? Fix your eyes on the eternal stuff and do it by feeding yourself on scripture, abandoning yourself in worship. Such a precious time even to be able to come here and worship together like this. But do it alone when you're at home. Cry out to him in prayer. Be desperate for his presence. Take kingdom risk. Step out, take a risk. Because as Christians, the way we handle our struggles and our challenges is a massive opportunity. Like Paul, to point people to the treasure that we have, the message of the gospel. And we have an opportunity every day, every day in all our different spheres to share it, to remember the but there's power in our present weakness. There is hope of future glory. So let's not lose heart. No matter how hard it gets, let's not lose heart. And let's fix our eyes on him. Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. I want to encourage you, if you're able, maybe you'd like to stand. I've been sat down for ages now. And we're just going to spend a little bit of time just, just praying together. And I think Claire and maybe some others are going to come and help us out. But I just want to encourage you. You might not be, but if you are, if you're comfortable, maybe just close your eyes. Not because it's like something magic is going to happen, but because it's less distracting. And you might even, some of you just want to put your hands out to God saying, God, I'm here kind of, kind of empty-handed this morning. And would you come and just fill me again, Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that that you're present, that you're present in this room and that you, you know everything. You know everything about us. And so, Lord, I pray you'd come. Come, Holy Spirit. We're just going to wait just for a few moments. So don't worry about the silence. And as we're waiting, there's some of you, and if you're honest, your eyes have just been wooed by temporary stuff, and today's an opportunity just to say to God, like, I want to fix them on you again. And if that's you, just as a way of physical response, I just, perhaps just love you to put your hand on your heart to say, as, a, as a, just an action of saying, God, I want, to, I want to just have my eyes on you today, afresh. Great. Well, Lord Jesus, we just thank you 
Thank you that you're present. Thank you that you have given us yourself, that we have everything that we need in you. And Lord, no matter how hard things are, no matter what this week looks like, what's, what's going on, Lord, that you are with us. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to choose to look at you, to have our eyes fixed on you. I pray that we'd know you in such a, like, a real, tangible kind of way this week. Amen.